Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Um, what the hell is going on on this podcast that like 80% of the people who come on here go through massive screening, fill out applications. They never actually read my book. Is anyone else puzzled by this? Look, a lot of the questions that you ask me about money are answered directly in I Will Teach You To Be Rich. How do you pay off your student loans? How do you automate your finances? Where do you start investing? And how do you handle big purchases? I wrote this book as a six-week program so you can follow along on your own or with a partner. If you want to improve your finances, I recommend you get the I Will Teach You To Be Rich book. It has over 18,000 reviews on Amazon. Get it at iwt.com slash book. I hate it. I hate it because I know we're paying so much interest right now here and there, and it's all money that we could actually be paying off the debt and putting aside in savings to actually buy things, not credit, and you know, or save so we can go to a trip or save for a future cottage or this or that. Okay. Instead, we're just, I feel like we're throwing money out the window. When she asked me for stuff, I want to say yes. Right? She's my wife. I love her. I want to please her. If she asked me where I want to be in a year, hopefully I'll be here, but might not, right? I'm stuck at home as a stay-at-home mom, but I still can't go outside and socialize. And we just moved in this new city that I don't know absolutely no one. So I've been alone for months now. And when Jacques gets home, I know he's tired from work and he needs his own time, so I leave him alone. My name is Ramit Sethi. Welcome to the I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast. My guests on this episode are Jennifer and Jacques, who contacted me because they're in debt and they just feel stuck. Now, the more I talk to them, the more I realized how common their situation really is. He goes to work. She stays home with the kids. At the end of the day, they're both tired. They order takeout. They overeat. They don't track their spending. But something really interesting happened when we shifted from their problems going towards a solution. And as I always say, people who have financial problems love to talk about their financial problems. They are problem-oriented. And many of them can spend their entire lives talking about what's not working. But as I switched them to focusing on what their rich life is, we had a pretty fascinating breakthrough. So listen in today's conversation with Jennifer and Jacques. I feel like she's spending too much and I'd like to pay the debt. And the reason she spends a lot, she's asking me, when she asked me for to buy something is because she's asking me, are we having enough money, right? And well, I just want to say yes, because, you know, I don't know, I want to please her, right? <laughs> so it's uh, like things like buying, buying uh, ordering out, because we can't go to restaurants right now. But uh, ordering out for me is, uh, once in a while it's fine, but. If we do it more than once a week, then it's starting to be too much. But I've never really mentioned it, so, you know, <laughs> a lot of work. I feel like I'm in the dark. He's the one who takes care of the finances, mostly because when it comes to that, I'm more visual, so I have to have charts and everything. But because numbers are really not my biggest strength the moment you see numbers I just it feels like a whole total other realm as much as I want to know what's going on so the moment we start about talking about the budget I know we need to get a budget get things 
in order, but I feel overwhelmed because I don't know what we're, like, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm in the dark. So I kind of played blind and, okay, well, he'll take care of it. So I'll be asking, okay, do we have money to buy this? Or do we have money to buy that? And it's mostly usually, you know, stuff that we need for the kids. It's not like I'm asking for a purse or something. So I'm always kind of asking permission. This is a common pattern. It's one partner throwing up their hands, saying, I'm not good at money. Can you just do it? And then over time, that very same person starts to feel in the dark. They feel out of control. Sometimes they feel resentful. So they push and they demonstrate their discomfort in lots of different ways. They'll start fights about interest or cable bills. But the real problem is not the cable. It's deeper. It's a feeling of being out of control. Now, it's really easy to sit back and yell at them, well, you need to learn about money. Duh. Well, that's easy to say. There are often very good reasons why people don't just pick up a book. And I say that as someone who wrote a book on personal finance. Listen to how Jennifer's psychology and her behavior is affecting her. So I need to get them stuff. And of course, I'll get anxious so I can't sleep. So Jacques, I know he's, I think he doesn't want to cause me grief and more worry and stress. So he kind of doesn't talk to me about the numbers. Kind of like to well, I know he means well, but I do feel like a child because I feel like, oh, well, you know, he's taking care of me, right? But at the same time, I'm kind of sick and tired of having to ask all the time. I know I'm the stay-at-home mom, so money-wise at the moment, I'm not bringing anything I haven't for a few years. So I feel like it's his money because he's the one bringing the income home. So I don't want to ask for money. So I kind of don't ask. And with all the, the restaurants we've been adding, well, then I just feel like, okay, well, you know, I'm burnt out being at home all the time. Can't go out because we're in a, a red zone here. So I kind of, you know, I feel like, but the moment he talks about it, like, he's like, okay, let's talk about the money. I get overwhelmed. And when I get overwhelmed, well, we kind of just shut that conversation out. Because he doesn't want me to be overwhelmed. So I know he means well. It's just I know, though, that I need to figure it out somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the only thing that's a stress point in our relationship. That's really it. Like, we, we are usually pretty good at communicating with one another, except money. That's the one thing... You know, I, I, I know what he means. Like, I would love to pay the debt. I just personally don't know how to get there. Well, let's make sure my instincts are correct. What are the actual numbers? 80,000 household income. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Ballpark? Great. And um, let's talk about any debt. How much? Well, like I said, we're selling a house right now. Um, once everything's done, we're going to be around. Forty thousand dollars in debt left. Okay, from, you know, credit cards and other things. Tell me about this debt. How did you incur this forty k of debt? Uh, part of it was uh, when we repainted the Jeep, and uh, part of it was just overspending. Uh, I went from a higher paying job to a lower paying job, so we had to cover that. So yeah, it was just basically overspending. I, I know it's overspending, but why? <laughs> uh, restaurants, going out with the, like on trips with the kids. Not like fancy trips, but going to see the family. Uh, it's minimum $500 per trip, right? Mm-hmm. With the gas and, and, and food on the way there. And once you're there, you go out with the family and all. Um, there's uh, activities with the kids. Um, things we needed in the house, things like that for us or the kids or the vehicles or in general, that's what it is. Sometimes it's emergency stuff. Uh, I find one big chunk 
was actually the Jeep, of course. Uh, with the pandemic, we had uh, we had the, decided to get the Jeep repaired because it needed quite a bit of repair. And with the pandemic, the price kind of doubled by the time we got our quote to getting it done with the pricing of pieces went up double and all that. But it is the, you know, spending here and there, um, restaurants and like Jock said, you know, we go visit the family in New Brunswick because we live far from them. It's little things that kind of seem to creep up. This is a very common response that you'll hear from people whose finances are out of control. They will constantly describe little things that seem to come up. Why? Because in the small view that they have on their financial life, the 50 feet that they can see ahead as they're driving, there's always something. But if they zoom out, if they can get a bigger perspective, maybe see a mile down the road or a month forward, maybe six months forward, they start to get a better grasp on them. And they realize, oh, that surprise car repair that seemed to come out of nowhere, that seems to come around every three years. Maybe we can put 20 bucks a month aside so that next time it comes out, we're ready for it. Again, people who are out of control with their money will constantly feel like they're taking one step forward and two steps back. That feeling is real. We can't dismiss it. What we can do is help them zoom up, look at the bigger picture, and switch to planning a little bit more proactively. Where do we want to go? I'm not even sure myself, to be honest. There, uh, I usually see a couple of months ahead of me, and that's it. Yeah. If you ask me where I want to be in a year, hopefully I'll be here, but might not, right? Yeah. Living month to month is very difficult. That's all you can see. It's like driving in a snowstorm. It's very mm-hmm. scary and difficult. And half of it is just, I hope there's nothing 50 feet ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we want to, another reason why we want to take care of it is I'd like to have uh, some, uh, some protection in case there's something in front of us like that, that we don't foresee, right? Yeah. And I also want to go beyond protection. Well, yeah, because, you know, we do have plans. Like, Jacques, we were talking about that, where we'd like to have a cottage in New Brunswick. So when we visit family, we could stay there instead of staying with family. Because when we visit, we actually stay it with family, and it's getting annoying. And when we go there, I'm like, well, let's get a cottage, and then we could rent it out when we're not there. Because we'd only visit, you know, a few weeks a year. And the rest of the time, but it's to get the money to get to that, to make future income. And and then we're like, oh, we'd like to travel, but we can never seem to put it in a concrete plan. Like, it's so vague. Yeah. Because usually when we... I don't know, because it's weird, because when we decide to, like, okay, this is what we want, we go there, it actually happens, like, snap, like, really fast. When we actually decide that this is our, the way we want to go, it usually happens extremely fast. Well, that's the opposite of a plan, though. You're telling me when we decide to do something, we do it overnight. Okay, great. That's good. You're very spontaneous. But a plan is the opposite. It takes years and years of slow mm-hmm. work, automatic transfers. It takes a longer vision than let's go buy a house or let's mm-hmm. go on a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You can hear me slowly starting to shift them away from a problem orientation to a solution orientation. I'm taking it very, very slowly. I don't think they're fully bought in yet. You can kind of hear it by the, okay, but let's see where it ends up. Again, this often takes months and months of work, but I've got a limited time. So I'm going to try to do my best here. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind the scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto 
notepad maker that you found. And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet. And it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep. And you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech Pod 3 cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. Can you tell me when this debt will be paid off? At this rate, it would be... 20, 30 years at the rate we're going right now. Okay. And how does that make you feel? I hate it. I hate it because I know we're paying so much interest right now here and there, and it's all money that we could actually be paying off the debt and putting aside and saving to actually buy things, not credit, and, you know, or save so we can go to a trip or save for a future cottage or this or that. Okay. Instead, we're just, I feel like we're throwing money out the window. Yeah, you are. Let, let me go to you, Jacques. What, when do you think you will pay this debt off? Uh, the way I calculated it, uh, it'll be 15 years. 15 years. Okay. I am wondering with 80K of income and your rent price looks pretty good. 1500. That's good. It's not too much. A lot of people, they spend too much on their housing. You have affordable housing. That's good. Your car may be a little high, but eventually that will get paid off. Mm -hmm. Where's the rest of the money going? Food. Yeah. (laughs) Food like food, like groceries or food, like eating out. Both groceries and eating out. Like it's funny well, we were actually talking about that a little while back. We have issues buying ourselves a piece of clothes that might be 50 bucks, $20, $40. But we have no issues going out to the restaurant one night and pay $50 for takeout. Why is that? Well, as you can see, I'm big, so food is my addiction. and. You know, it's just my comfort, the way to comfort myself. And I've been working on that. But it is a way of like, oh, well, it's okay to spend it on food, but not on other things, right? I appreciate the honesty on that. Sucks balls. Yeah, that's a a tough situation, but you have a very high level of self-awareness. I've been doing a lot of work to get through that. There is a relationship between food and money. When I first wrote my book, it was published in 2009. In the introduction and the first chapter, I wrote about the similarities between food and money, how we often don't track what we eat, 
how we often don't track what we spend, how we often listen to fad diets, and how we often do the same thing with fad investments. When I wrote the 10-year update to my book, the 2019 edition, an editor that was working on the book strongly encouraged me to remove that material. And she said that it was offensive to write about the connection between food and money. In the intervening 10 years between writing the first edition and the second edition, I had gone through a fitness journey of my own. I used to be very skinny. I would call myself a skinny Indian guy. And I really wish looking back that I had not said that, that I had not condemned myself to a self-fulfilling prophecy. In the intervening time, I learned how to change my body. And I learned that a lot of the things I believed about myself were not true. And I needed a lot of help. I had help of friends and trainers, nutritionists. And eventually, I started to feel in control. That if I wanted to put on muscle, I could. If I wanted to cut fat, I could. And so I told the editor, no. In fact, I insist on keeping this material in the book because more than ever, I see a connection between food and money. And I've seen it with many of my own I Will Teach You To Be Rich readers. Many of them take control of their money and they realize, oh my gosh, if I could do this, the thing that I was never good at, what else can I do? It is very common that I Will Teach You To Be Rich readers later go on to change their fitness, their food, their nutrition, because many of the skills are transferable. So I wanted to add that here because it's really important. What Jennifer is doing, she's being so honest about being out of control with food. And I was candidly very surprised at how honest she was, how self-aware she was. You can see that there's a relationship between food and money. And so I want to approach this with compassion, not judgment. And I just want to share that oftentimes when you're out of control in one part of life, it can feel like dominoes. On the other hand, when you start to make steady progress, even a tiny bit of progress in one area, it can really cascade into other areas of life as well. For me right now, it's just taking that stress off, you know, with the whole COVID stuff going, the pandemic, I'm stuck at home as a stay-at-home mom, but I still can't go outside and socialize. And we just moved in this new city that I don't know absolutely no one. So I've been alone for months now. Yeah. And when Jacques gets home, I know he's tired from work and he needs his own time, so I leave him alone. Yeah. So when you it know. comes to making suppers, I'm just... I feel so burnt down and I don't want to be around no one that I, it's an easy access. It's the only way I can seem to have a certain sense of control and relief for a moment, I guess. Yes, that's it. You both understand your behavior pretty well. Understanding it doesn't change it, but I love the way that you are in touch with why you are doing things you do. Uh, Jennifer, you're nailing it. It's control. It's Mm -hmm. relief. I see all the numbers and I see like, example, I smite my credit card. I have one credit card and it's maxed out at the moment. And I see the interest that I pay on it. And I'm like, (laughs) big word. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm paying all this money for interest when I could be paying if we had it like in one big loan with less interest and pay more of it so we can pay it faster or put it aside to build some some savings so we can buy that cottage that we want down the road. When I see the numbers, I get mad at myself that we're in that situation. So I just want to put the blinders off because I'm, I'm sick and tired of being mad. I'm like... Well, you are sick and tired of being mad and you've done everything except confront the problem. Pretty much. I hear deep down that both of you believe you've already lost. You've already lost the game of money. And so why not just give up and order this food 
It's yeah. It's, we already got 40k of debt. An extra 40 bucks isn't going to change anything, and at least yeah. we'll feel good for a couple of hours. That's it. For me, that's how I feel. Yeah. This is classic. In personal finance, you see this in two particular areas. This is the idea that if I'm not perfect, I might as well throw it all away. Forget it. None of it really matters. The first area is the area that Jennifer's talking about, which is people in debt. People in large amounts of debt, at a certain point, they go, what does it matter? 40 bucks, it's not going to change anything. Might as well be happy. That's exactly what we heard Jennifer saying. Can you think of the second category? The second category of people who say, I have lost the game, so forget it. Well, the answer is parents. I will frequently get DMs on Instagram or Twitter, my email. They say, how much should I save for my daughter? I said, how old are you? And what is your financial situation? <laughs> they go, oh, I'm 44. I don't really have anything saved up, but just had my daughter really need to start saving for her. I go, your daughter has time. You do not. And what they are really saying is, I believe I've lost the game of personal finance, but at least I can win it for my daughter. Jennifer and Jacques are smart. It's not that they don't know they should pay off their debt. There is something much deeper here. And finally, we are ready to start talking about it. Listen. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook. And let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams. So my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts. Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to market unread. S to star it. J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on, and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals, and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. 
That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. What is it, Jock? Well, I think it's, it's part of me wants to say yes. So when she asks me for stuff, I want to say yes. Right? She's my wife. I love her. I want to please her. So part of it is that, right? Because I want to say yes. And that's why, you know, I, sometimes she'll ask me a couple of times, you know, oh, can I get this? Can I get that? You know, stuff for her. And I'll be, no, we don't have the money. No, we don't have the money. Like, oh, yeah, fine, get it, right? In your mind, is creating a plan, does that mean saying no? Well, you got to say no to some things, right? Well, you haven't yet. True. <laughs> so let me see if I can get this right. Tell me if I'm off. I like to be a good husband. I don't like confrontation. I want to say yes. I want to please my wife. Deep down, I know there's a couple of things we probably shouldn't do. We probably shouldn't go here and maybe buy this. But sometimes she asks me and I don't like the confrontation. I know she's going to be upset. So I say yes. I know it's probably going to cause problems down the road, but I'm just trying to get by day to day here. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much on the dot. Yeah. yeah. From a young age, I was always told, no, like when I grew up, my mom was a single mother. Uh, we didn't have much money. So anytime I asked for something, it was no, because we just didn't have the money. Right? So keep going. Trace it to yourself now. How do you think a child reacts when they hear no, 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 no? My needs are not important. Like yeah. what I want is not important because I always got told no. Right? Yeah. And then what do you think is a possibility for how someone reacts to that as they get older? I was just trying to please people, I guess. That's why. What's the connection between being told no by everybody in the family and then saying yes? What's that connection? How did it feel when they told you no? Well, it, it sucked, but eventually you get used to it, right? But I mean, do you? Do you get used to it? Does it ever feel good when somebody tells you no? Well, no, but you like I, I don't put myself in a situation where somebody will tell me no. Exactly. Eventually, you say that is painful, so painful that I'm just not even going to ask because I don't want to hear no. And then growing up, getting in relationships, this relationship. Do you think it's possible that somebody who's been told no their whole life says, "I felt so bad. I never want to feel like that or have anyone who I love feel like that." So I'm never going to put them through what I went through. Yeah. That's the first time I thought about that. Yeah. There's a I lot. Mean, I, I, I've never connected the dots, right? But this is a really big realization. Oftentimes we behave in ways that seem totally rational to ourselves. And if I asked you, you know, why'd you say yes to this? Well, you know, it was a long night. Why'd you say yes to that? Well, she asked me four times. And there's a reason. Our minds are really good at creating reasons. I'm actually not concerned about the math here. This isn't mm -hmm. a math problem. I want to say it again because it's really important for me to say that. This is not a math problem. It's to take charge and do it. Yeah, but if that were the case, you would have done it already. Like, motivational phrases only, yeah. they're like a snack. They only get you so far. So what's the real problem here? Not wanting to put myself in a situation where I have to say no. Right, right. That's a deep, deep issue. If you pull on that string, you're going to end up back at being three years old or four years old. For me, it's more of an instant gratification. I want it now versus wait. Yeah. And do you see any similarities between the food instant gratification and the money? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Yeah. Like that. So that's, that's another deep seated issue. And you Mm -hmm. mentioned you've been getting help. I'm really happy to hear that. And that's the thing. Like for me, food is my gratification. Oh, you did well. Here's some food. Oh, you feel like shitty. Here's some food. Yeah. So I've been trying to do some work on that to try and heal those wounds to get over that so I don't use food because all that food, well, you need money to pay for that food. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that you are pursuing this because it's challenging. It's not easy and it takes a lot of deep inner work, ideally with some help as well. We've made a couple breakthroughs. I want to shift them now to what they are doing with their money. One of the observations I have about this couple is that there's no real purpose to their money. It's a lot of instant gratification, whatever's in front of them. I bet you, if I asked them, do you remember the last four meals you ordered as takeout? They wouldn't even remember. It's nothing memorable, nothing special. It's just whatever's in front of them. And I think there's a totally different way to think about money. A way where you can say, you know what, let's think about what meal would be amazing for us or what trip or what baby car seat, whatever. And let's save up. Let's get that. Let's dream big and then go after it aggressively. So I want to talk about what they want with their money. I'm curious if they've even thought about it. One thing we had talked about, Jacques and I, was buying cottages or building little cottages in different areas. And then renting it, renting them out since we would have like, okay, we want to go there for a vacation. Let's go two hours away from here, five hours from here. But at the same time, those houses would be working for us for us when we're not there okay. so that we can, you know, I'd like to build on that, build a business or something that builds a, an income that we don't have to you know, go to a job 40 hours a a week. And then what? And then it would allow us to be able to travel. We mentioned we wanted to travel and we've been looking into uh, the schoolies and uh, RVs and uh, whatnot. And that's something that I'd like us to do, especially with the kids being young. Nice. Okay. Love it. Beautiful. I love the vision. Jacques, what about you? My vision of being wealthy is you have an RV and you go to the, these far out places where, you know, there's nobody around and you just have a campfire and the kids are there and can see nature and look at the stars at night because there's no pollution or lights or anything like that. You know, that's my vision. First of all, there are two places you're never going to find me. Number one, is in a Home Depot. (laughs) Okay. And number two is in an RV. Those two places are a special kind of hell for me. All right. But remember, it's not my rich life. It's yours. Okay. Your rich life is yours. It's not your parents. It's not your friends. It's certainly not mine. So while I don't understand the appeal of an RV, that has nothing to do with it. In fact, I love hearing people's rich lives the more different they are from mine. I love it because it tells me they've really thought about something that they want. And the more you dial in your rich life, your money dials, everything, the more incomprehensible it's going to be to everybody else. So I'm getting excited and I can hear it in their voice that they're getting excited as well. How old can kids be while you take them there and they still enjoy it? I don't know. I would still enjoy it, so I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? What's, a, what's an ideal age to take your kids to something like that? Well, well I'm thinking before they're 10 to 11. Teenagers. Okay. Yeah, because that, that's when they start having friends. They're like, no, I'd rather stay at home and yeah. with my friends and all that. Thing. That's right. So really, now we're starting to get a little bit more specific, which is, In the next X years, we want to take our children on some kind of outdoors RV adventure. Mm -hmm. 
How many years? Four. I would see for me it was more like two. Okay, so soon. Well, look, we're getting somewhere. Whether it's two or four, mm-hmm. it's not 20. No. no. Okay, so guess what? Now we have a real reason to start changing our finances. You know what? You had no reason before. Of course you're going to order out. Because what else are we going to do? Pay off debt? That sounds boring. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But listen to what I heard. I I just have to repeat this back to you because it was so vivid. I heard no light pollution. I heard outdoors, look at the stars, RV, traveling with the kids. These are words that are very emotional. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. And I would love that for both of you to actually expand on it outside of this call. I would love for you to have a conversation where you say, what would it look like if this were magical? How does this feel, Jacques, just to start thinking about this trip? How does it feel to you? Well, it feels pretty good. It's, uh, it's a direction, right? Uh, I'm realizing now that's, that's what it was. Like I had no goals or anything like that, nothing to shoot for. And now it makes sense that you know, what else is there to do? Just get some food or, oh, we want to do that this weekend. Let's go do it. You need to buy that. Let's buy that. And, now, uh, I'd rather go do the trip than eat up tomorrow. Let's say that it's 5%. Right now, you would be paying $400 a month. And like I told you, it would take you 11 years to pay that off. Okay. okay? Now, let me ask you a question. What if you increased that to 600 a month? How long do you think it would take you to pay it off? Um, Seven years? Seven, yeah. 6.5 years. Just from $200 a month extra. Jeez. Do you think you could find $200 a month extra? I'm sure we could figure something out. 100%. When you go through your numbers, you're going to realize you're sitting on way more than you think. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you have to get creative to do it, you're going to get creative. It's either going to be 10 years or three years. What are we going to do? And truthfully, I hope you both see the costs of what does it cost you to be treading water for so long? You start to actually normalize it. Like, oh, it's normal to be sinking. It sucks. Well, that's all I've seen all my life is my parents being there. I really love what Jennifer just said. Just offhandedly, she opens up the floodgates. That's what we knew. That's what I've seen all my life with my parents. Think about the implications of just that one sentence. That's what she modeled forever. And therefore, you normalize it. In fact, when you think of money, you think of problems, pain. And if you do that for enough time, you can't even imagine that money can be joyful, that it can be a source of opportunity instead of one of problems. Now, this presents some real identity challenges as you start to shift from paying off your debt. I often find that people who are in a severe amount of debt or have been there for a long time, they can't even envision what it feels like to be debt-free, much less to actually have money in their savings account. And as they go towards this debt-free status, they start to ask themselves lots of uncomfortable questions oh my God, what's it going to be like? What if I told myself that being debt-free would make me happy and I finally pay off all my debt and I'm not happy? And ultimately, am I worth it? These are really tough identity questions that many of you will face. But I am confident you can absolutely work through these. Just want to flag it for you that as you change your identity with money, you will have to confront your own personal identity. Let's have a pleasant discussion about some of the worst things in the world. One of them, finding a doctor. First of all, you realize, oh, I got a problem, but you don't know if you need to call a dermatologist or a podiatrist. So you just start calling everybody. Half of them aren't even there. They don't even pick up the phones. 
Then when you finally get somebody on the phone, you're like, hey, I have this thing. They go, oh, okay, cool. We can see you in July. Then you ask them, are you in network? Half of them aren't. And you're spending three days just making phone calls. What if there was actually a better way to find a doctor? Check out our sponsor, ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doctor you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting on the phone with a receptionist. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. The typical wait time to see a doctor is between 24 to 72 hours. You can even book same-day appointments. If I need to book a doctor and I wanted it to be convenient and I wasn't sure where to start, I would try ZocDoc. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Ramit and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Ramit. ZocDoc.com slash Ramit. Okay, I love coffee and I want to tell you about the system I set up so that I can get all kinds of new coffee regularly. I know there's a few brands of coffee that I love. So I set up a document and in that document, I track the types of coffee I love. Verve, uh, Joe Coffee in New York, and there's a few other brands that I love with the specific roast. But then every single month, I'm hunting, looking for new types of coffee. And so what I'll do is I'll ship myself a couple of new bags of different roasts, different types of coffee from different regions, and then I take a little notation card, I write down what works and what doesn't. Now, if you think I'm a psycho, what am I gonna say? This is my rich life. But I'm sharing this because a lot of us love coffee, and a lot of us want to know where to discover new coffee. That's why I am thrilled to introduce you to today's sponsor, Trade Coffee, which is a subscription service that makes it very simple to discover new coffees and to make great coffee at home. Trade partners with top-rated independent roasters so you can get their best quality coffee sent right to your home. It's all handpicked by their coffee experts. And maybe you already know what you like. Like for me, I like Verve Coffee. It's one of my favorite brands. It's on Trade's platform. Or maybe you're not sure and you want to experiment. Either way, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees, and they will send them to your home on your preferred schedule. So upgrade your morning routine with better coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our audience a free bag of coffee with any subscription at drinktrade.com slash Ramit. That's drinktrade, T-R-A-D-E, dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a free bag of coffee with any subscription purchase. Again, drinktrade.com slash Ramit. So I want to point out that um, based on your numbers, you both could do that. And if you were to contribute instead 800 a month, you'd pay that off in 4.75 years. That'd be cool. Yeah. Jennifer, what was that look on your face? Uh, I wanted to say another swear word. <laughs> Well, I encourage swearing. (laughs) There was something that really puzzled me in this conversation. When I asked them, what do you want to do with your money? They had this whole thing about, we want to buy cottages and eventually use that money to be able to get an RV and sit under the stars. It was beautifully described. But then when I asked them, when do you want to do it? They got very fuzzy. Did you catch that? I don't know. You know, first we need to get the first down payment. We can't seem to save any money. And then I asked him, how old do you want your kids to be? Well, probably before they're teenagers because they'll still like us. Suddenly you realize that this isn't a plan. It's just a wish. I don't want you to just wish for things to do with your money. I want you to make a plan. And so for this couple, my dream would be that we just start by saying, what is it you actually want? I want to take my kids, I want to get an RV, and I want to sit under the stars with them and create some memories. Love it. 
Beautiful. Okay. How can we do that quickly? Well, maybe we can start aggressively paying off our debt. Maybe we can put a hundred bucks a month aside for this trip. Maybe we don't have to buy four cottages and then buy an RV. Could we just rent an RV? And what if we don't have to take a month off? What if we just go for two weeks? Suddenly, you shaved off 15 or 20 years towards your rich life goal. You can do it in 18 months. This is my wish for you. My wish is that you look creatively at what your rich life is, that you get super detailed about it. I want to know what are you going to be eating underneath the stars? Tell me about that. And then you go from a wish to a plan. You say, how can we do that? How can we do it bigger? How can we do it faster? And suddenly you start to go from problem orientation to solution orientation. You are between four to six years away from paying off this debt. My guess is if you made this a true priority, like number one, you could pay it off in less than four years, three or three and a half years. That would be hard. You'd have to change everything. You'd have to do a lot of inner work. That may be even too hard, but four to six years, you could comfortably pay it off. Well, if we got rid of the the car and you use the Jeep to go to work, you'd still burn more gas than the car, but it'll be one, that $400 we could actually chuck there. There it is. You can hear Jennifer getting engaged, putting some skin in the game, becoming creative about how they can work towards their rich life. This is a beautiful moment. Here's what you'll find next week on the I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast. I felt it like a, a joke saying, I will have to pay everything for you. And in my mind, it was like, I can pay for myself. Like, if you don't want to support me, like, I can support myself. When I questioned her about, you know, what we're leaving on the table as a family and what that implies for us, her response was, well, I have my own savings and I can kind of do whatever I want. <laughs> 